it up. And Hello, this is Ned Hennigan here, and you're listening to the Rugby Running Podcast. Sweet. Hey, you're here with Ned Hennigan. You're listening to the Running Rugby Podcast. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast. And so, after 21 weeks, 126 games, the Super Rugby 2018 season has come back with just two teams left, the Canterbury Crusaders and the Lions out of Joburg. All the other teams in the finals are being knocked out. Every home team has won every game of this playoff series. And we're down to two. Toby and Leo, back with me again. Bit sad, boys. We've, we've lost our Waratahs out of the finals, lost our hopes for the Australian team to take this one. I know it was a long shot in South Africa, but how are you feeling, boys? You still a bit depressed? Yeah, mate. I, w- I was sitting in a pub in Glasgow, believe it or not, and I was all by myself watching this game. I got them to put it on, and I, you know, after that first few minutes, I was just so pumped up. I thought we had it. I really thought that we came out with the right mindset and we were just going to continue on, but it just wasn't to be. So, yeah, from my perspective, I'm, I'm a bit depressed right now, but you know what? I think in the end, it's the final we expected, but yeah, I'm not, not too happy about it. I think it was always going to be a big ask, and I think the way the way it played out, like the Waratahs did really turn on at the start. Like That was really good. That was really exciting, playing a good brand of rugby and scoring points and and it was really just the the tenacity and of the lions and you know playing away from home maybe a bit of crowd bit of altitude and it wears you down and and i think we could see that in the players as, as hard as they were trying to to fight back they're just slipping off a few more tackles as the game went on and and couldn't keep them out and the, and the lions to their credit played a good game they kept fighting they um they used all their tools in their toolkit pretty pretty damn well so you know, credit to them. Good luck in the finals. I think they've got another tough ass like the Waratahs just experienced. Yeah, no, I, look, I think you're right, Leo. These, this was the, the thing about this game. I think, you know, it, it was still a big test for the Lions, I think, to get it on top of the Tars. But now it's, like you say, it's an equal ass to have to travel to New Zealand. There's going to be a lot of factors they have to overcome. You know, the Crusaders haven't lost a game at home under Scott Robertson. They're the form team. They have been all year. Um, and, how, Lions, and how good do they look against the Hurricanes? Like They look tremendous. And they, precision they again. Bowden Barrett to shame. Honestly, yeah. Richie Moenga completely outplayed him. I think the, the Hurricanes just looked directionless. They looked like a team that was at sea for much of that game. And that's what the Crusaders do to you. They pick you apart. So I just can't see how the Lions are going to be able to overcome that. Um, but, yeah, who knows? I mean, this is the thing. At least these two teams, they, they played each other last year. So that makes it a little bit more interesting. Maybe they've worked each other out a little bit. But, yeah, playing in Christchurch, it's, mate, it's a massive ask. I'm not sure they can get it done. They played phenomenally last week. Like, they just showed how they can, you know, s- simplify their game 
play. You know, they weren't doing anything outlandish and ridiculous. The the most uh, exotic play they they pulled out was right really late in the game and Moanga chipping across field into the in goal and you know you might as well try that when the guy's that wide open and you you're already up by so many. But yeah, just the the way the way they can control the game and and didn't give the Highlanders uh, sorry the Hurricanes a look at all. And really, I don't think what do you reckon was was Julian Severe's um, score in the corner was that a try? Because didn't look like right. I, I don't know. I don't no think chance. No chance. No. I don't know where that, was, how that, that decision got given. He didn't, I don't think that was a clear grounding. It was just the fact that they called a try on the field. Yeah, mm. yeah it was. That's true. But I don't think they, they even looked at it enough. I think they, they didn't look at it for long enough. They were, yeah. they were worried about it going in, in into touch, and the ball did look like it was sitting up, but I, I don't think yeah. he had control. It looked like he threw it away right at the end there. So. There's that thing so, that's like I mean, no clear knock-on, not clearly in touch, and they've called it a try. So yeah. even though it doesn't look like he's yeah. in control, they end up giving it. Yeah, definitely could have gone the other way if they'd said no try on the field. Mm. So, I mean, the Hurricanes were lucky to be even that close, really. Exactly. You watch a highlights exactly. package, you see barely any um, big backline plays out of the Hurricanes. You know what the biggest thing I was keep of seeing over the Hurricanes the last couple of weeks is Geordie Barrett just looks out of his depth. It's something that I've never seen. He doesn't him do. tackle. I've never seen him do. Like he's come on the scene, the young gun, obviously touted another sort of all black talent. And then he just, it looks like he gets rattled really early. And yeah, you're right. He, he doesn't make these big tackles. That he, I swear he used to be at fullback and just standing up and making awesome tackles. I don't, I don't think he's got the, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's not too, a 13. Yeah, he's that's, probably not 13. Like that's such an important pivot position in the, in the defense. He's got to really, you know, read the play well and start shifting wide at the right time and not give away his inside shoulder. And he gave away his inside shoulder against Moana for that first try. Mm. And then um, there was another one later on where he, he was falling off tackles. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's maybe he just hasn't got quite enough time to make that read standing up at 13. But he definitely looked uh, weak at 13. And But it's kind of an affliction that all the Hurricanes seem to have at the moment. The, that whole back line all look a bit. Um, yeah. disjointed and, and it, you know, Lamarpi runs hard, he tries. I think Archie said the most, it. most dangerous in all of Super Rugby looked like bloody yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think you said it on the weekend, Archie. You said, look, I think we're underestimating the, the loss of Matt Proctor there at, at 13 in combination with Lamarpi. I think as soon as he disappeared from the, the yeah. fray, their backline dynamic completely changed. And then they lost Bowden for a couple of games. Um, and they're shifting Geordie around. Um, and in, in between that as well, you had Milner Scudder come back in, so that complicated things as well. I've um, not seen Milner also, Scudder had, get back to his previous best. I don't think he's anywhere no, near. he hasn't. Anywhere near. I think, yeah, I think he needs to spend some time possibly on the wing um, just to just so he doesn't have to worry about positional play as much. I mean, it'll be dropping back for kicks, but I think, look, they should have persevered with Geordie at 15 he was the form 15 last year, apart from Ben Smith. And his combination with Bowden's a lot more potent when he's in that position. Mm, as soon as you put him back true. at 13, I think he played there quite a bit when he was younger in schoolboys and stuff. But at this level, he just doesn't seem comfortable there and he makes some poor, poor reads on defense. Um, yeah, I right, think the, that really, really, yeah, yeah. I think it just detracts from their back line. The, he doesn't get to run off the shoulder of the full back, uh, the, sorry, the fly half, which is where he was a little bit more dangerous. And you think that brother to brother combination in like a, yeah. a quick change in change attack, like, a, like an inside ball, 
or um, like a cutback against the, the run of play. And you yeah. just don't get that at 13. And he hasn't been particularly dominant in attack in 13 either, not just defense. Like, And, yeah. not, you know, again, not to put it all down to one. I, I think it's I think it's just somehow it's disjointed coming from 10 out, not because it's bad passing or it's um, like bad positioning. Really, it just doesn't seem to flow. And then you look at the Crusaders and the way the ball comes out from Moanga, he's making all these great decisions. You know, he's got Crotty there also makes good decisions. Jack Hood Hughes. Played, played amazing on the weekend. He was busting the line all over the place and standing up really strong and tall and getting offloads. Like the, they're, they're, just, playing, they're, they're, they're all playing smart footballers. Like yeah. mm. They're all just seem to make good decisions. We're, we're talking about the, the, the backs, and but like even the forwards the same. I think the Hurricanes forwards never really talked about that pack as a really like strong pack that's knocking people around because their backs are so dynamic. That normally takes care of itself, but. They looked all at sea as well. They had, they have a back row that normally gets around and um, messes up people at the breakdown and thing. And look between Gibson and Thompson and um, Shields. They just didn't seem like they had much of an impact at all against this Crusaders pack. Yeah, I think Blade Thompson is more of a second rower, I think. Um, I don't really like him there at number eight. And then you had that kind of shift to have Gareth Evans at seven. And he brings a lot of aggression there, but... You know, he played pretty I well. Think they, yeah, he did, and he's played well for a couple of weeks in a row now. But I think just missing Artie Severe there at seven really disrupted yeah. the balance of that back row because I would have had Evans at eight, um, Artie Severe at seven, and then yeah, obviously right. Brad Shields at six. Um, <clears throat> I think Lousy's form fell down. I think <clears throat> you know just generally their second rows have been a little bit up and down this year, and. I mean, their front row is not bad, but it's not a Crusaders front row. Like that's an All Blacks front row. So the the second rows, I, I don't know if they fell down that much. Like Lassie's been playing pretty a lot better involved. He's, he's probably getting a bit more ball. I think I think it's it's possibly the lack of possession that makes it feel like they've they've been less involved. It's like the Hurricanes have actually had less of the ball to share around. But like Fatty Lofer and Lassie, or they do a lot of yeah. carrying. And I thought Gareth I thought Evans was, was probably their potent. shining light on the weekend. Like Gareth Evans was was the only guy keeping them in that game. He was pilfering all over the oh, place, yeah. putting putting good uh, hits in in the in the ruck yeah. and and slowing down the Crusaders. But like yeah. like we've already said, like one one versus a team, like guys playing as individuals versus guys playing as a team, and no individual in the Hurricanes could spark anything for them in that game. The Crusaders just they're an all star pack. Like, nearly wow. that could be, you know, that could easily be the All Blacks pack on a certain day, if mm. you look at it. I mean, Matt Todd is a great player who's been in the shadow of um, Sam Kane and McCaw. Um, Jordan Tavua has been on the, you know, cusp of play, playing for the All Blacks. And then, obviously, Kieran Reeds has come back in, and that type five is pretty much the All Blacks type five already. So, it is, yeah. That's exactly the yeah. All Blacks type five. I, I think domestic, like in terms of domestic competitions in the world, the Crusaders would beat anyone, and I think pretty yeah. convincingly at the moment. Mm. Um, and I think they'd give a few international sides a good run for their money as well. Absolutely. So, so obviously, hurricane season over. What do you reckon? Disappointment? Do they live up to standard? I mean, they got knocked out by the Crusaders in think, semis. Like, yeah, I think dis- disappointing. Disappointing. Yeah, I, I, again, it's a harsh. It's a harsh judgment because they have gone so far, so deep in the finals. But 
like we've been saying, like that look at their team. Their, their team also, especially their back line, um, probably 50% of their forwards could could make a pass at the All Blacks. Their back line, most of those guys are on their day out at that level. And we saw how good they were at the start of the season. They were steam. They had a bit of a rocky start, but then they started steamrolling teams. We thought no one's going to beat these guys. A lot of it's changed. I can't remember. We were all on Crusaders to begin with, but we switched the Hurricanes pretty quickly, pretty early, based on that form. And then they've just fallen away, and it's just all kind of lost that momentum and cohesion. And they should be, you know, happy that they got as far as they did. But of course, they'll be, they'll be. I'll be thinking that they basically lost their grand final against the Crusaders because they would have backed themselves to probably beat either the Waratahs or Lions, no matter where they had to go. So, it's, you know, okay. I, I, I don't I don't think there are I don't think they should be judged as playing above their potential or like above expectation. I think that's for them it's probably below expectation. Yeah, and I mean that points to the expectations that are so high on this team. But that's because they won the title two years ago, and they lost to the Highlanders in 2015. So they've been there and about for four years now. But just the way that they were so up and down in the mid to later half of this season, I think just makes it super disappointing. Um, yeah, and just I think the the form of Bowden Barrett is a real concern. Yeah, um, especially for the All Blacks I heading think that, into the Rugby Championship. Yeah. I'm not sure what they do about it either because... I can't see they, them dropping him. You know, they they tend to stick with guys until they've had a couple of bad games in the All Blacks jersey, which isn't very often for most of them. So I can't see them making a change. They're at 10, but this could actually really help the Wallabies if he is a, uh, struggling a little bit for form. It's like you said about um, the, the Hurricanes losing players in, in their midfield or those linking players. Uh, then you put him into the All Blacks and you, you insert, is it Ryan Crotty or whoever else might yeah. play? Sunny it's probably Bill. Ryan Crotty. Crotty, Crotty or Sunny Bill. They're the yeah, two 12s that have been there. It's probably Crotty for his first pick. Yeah, he's so it's Crotty. In, in amongst all, all those yeah, sort of top finals players. So, like, that, how much does that stabilise him? I, I don't know that this the form of Super Rugby necessarily mm. translates directly into the All Blacks. I think in the mid, mid-season tests... The June Test series, we we saw, uh, you know, a better version of of Bowden Barrett. So, I, I I wouldn't be that worried, and I don't think they would drop him. I mean, as as good as Mo Unger is, he may even be struggling to get a bench spot because McKenzie's this utility player well, that's it. who yeah. can't now play Probably 10. Probably McKenzie so, would get the and, next shot rather than Mo Unger. And that's yeah, that's really will. harsh because Mo Unger absolutely is a as a um, textbook ten at the moment. He's killing it. Um, but they'll have seen what yeah. Bowden's done in the past and, you know, IB World Player mm. of the Year and all that sort of thing for the last two years, whatever it's been. Like, he's still got a lot on, uh, in the tank. Gives a bit of credence yeah, to that, what the Hurricanes coach was saying mid-season, saying Proctor was the best 13 in New Zealand. And then we all sort of scoffed at that. Um, well, the best centre, I think he said, in New Zealand. And then he goes out and then they struggle. But did you realize? Did you see that yeah. stat on Moanga that um, the Crusaders had not actually lost um, in the last two years with him? The two games he's that won. dropped is like when Mitch Hunt's been starting; he's been injured. Yeah, yeah. They've Moanga himself twenty-two out of twenty-three games for the Crusaders. Oh, he's dropped one. He's one. Yeah. He's dropped one, but but that may not have been in the last two seasons. So oh, I think been, that was oh, the one where he broke his jaw as well. Maybe, yeah. Mm. Like that—that—that's the sort of level. Like he's, 
they're like, and that doesn't mean that they only win when they've got him, but he is, you know, pretty pretty well, um, yeah, pretty pretty well built into that team, and and you know they have a real good combination and cohesion mm. amongst those players. Let's let's switch back and talk a bit more about the other eliminated team. We've talked a lot about Hurricanes there, and the Tarts. Look, we I think we all agree that they put up a pretty good effort. Um, despite the circumstances being Johannesburg, sort of quick turnaround travel week. Um, they came out strong, they came out firing. What is the changes they need to make to come out next year to actually make another run at the finals and maybe get to the grand final of Super Rugby next year? Toby and I had a quick chat before the pod this morning and, and a couple of things that we picked up on were we, we think we're lacking the really physical aggressor in the forwards. So... Someone who, you know, accelerates into contact, not just sort of sees contact as a, a job that needs to be done. Like someone who's seeking it out and really, really making a mark on the other team, putting them on the back foot. I think I'd agree with him that, that you know, someone, we used to have Pop Gita, we used to have Kane Douglas, these guys who were really, really intimidating. I don't think we have an intimidating forward. We have some, some skillful guys and some mobile guys. Um, and then the only other thing that really worries me is, just really poor technique and precision in the ruck. Like we, we come in and we come in from slightly in the side and we wrap an arm over the top of someone and try and roll them over and it just it just looks slack and it's sloppy and it's ineffective. It probably points to how tired they were as well, but that's why you need to be so precise with those kind of cleanouts because when yeah. you're tired, then it's still relatively effective. Mm. If you're wasting, if you're technique... you've only got so much energy. You can't waste yeah. what you've got. You've got to use it well and efficiently. Yeah, if your technique's poor in the beginning or just average, then as soon as you get tired, you're gonna you're gonna fall into bad habits. And I think that's what they did a little bit. But I think, you know, someone like Jed Holloway has the potential to be that really aggressive um, line bending ball carrier. Um, playing in tight at second row probably doesn't suit him completely. But to get into that starting team, that's you know he did what was expected of him, and he really filled that role pretty well. But yeah, I think we do need someone that's probably someone externally to be recruited to bring in, you know, someone like a pod guitar, like you say, Leo, um, someone like a you know Nicerani, Rob Valentini, those kind of guys. Yeah, I think I think Holloway probably was probably one of the standout players for the pack, really. Oh, was he was really starting good. to get back to yeah, his sort good. of form from a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think you're right. And we saw in, they, have, they got a yeah. bit tired in the rucks. And in about 50 minutes, you just started seeing those marks and Quagga Smith turnovers come in. And it was multiple rucks at a time. They were just in there on the ball sort of every time. And whether that was tightness. Do you think... Um, do you think part of the reason maybe we struggle now to get people out of the ruck is because we're a bit more hesitant because a lot of the times the previous sort of strategies to get people out of the ruck was probably likely they could get picked up now as getting sort of around the neck, around the head because that used to be a lot of the technique, I feel, sort of coming in sort of over the shoulder, around the neck and stuff that they're probably worried about sort of getting carded for now. I think you can still do that. You can take that approach effectively. I... I... That, that's It does need to be more precise because they are more uh, attentive to what people are doing in rucks. And if you do swing an arm around a guy's shoulder, you, you might get called for a high shot, and it, particularly if you try and roll them sideways, which is an effective technique when you've got someone who's very stable over the ball. You can't push them back or drag them forward. Like You've got to kind of 
grab a leg and, and pitch them over. You've got to be really careful not to be around their head. But uh, I still just think it's, it's it comes down to the poor technique. So you're coming in, uh, you're coming in late. You you just get onto the wrong uh, part of the guy. So if you if you end up too far back towards his hips, you're working right on his center of gravity. It's the most stable point. You've got to kind of leverage him over. And mm. as you get, if if you haven't got good technique to start with, then you're already using more effort and energy to do it when you're fresh. And that means you wear out more quickly. And at altitude, that just compounds. So that that was the perfect storm last week that was what worried me i think we were always going to tire out and um yeah. and and you know we just we we weren't we weren't effectively we weren't precise so we probably wasted a lot of energy early on trying to compete too hard and then you throw more guys in and then everyone gets tired and there's gaps for Corga smith to pick up go off the ruck yeah i think look that's all well and good and i think that's something we need to work on um but in terms of players, I think like our front row is quite strong. I think Robertson has really come on this year. I think he was good again in this game. Yeah, scored a pretty game. clever try there. Mm. Um, Tolu, Tolu's, I think, to be persevered with as long as he has that commitment to training and and really puts everything into his performance. I think if we look at the back line, we're pretty happy with it. We've got two great number nines. We've got a number ten that's world class and in the Wallabies. We've got Curtly Bill there, who's the form number 12 in the world. Um, Curtis Rohn is pretty serviceable at 13. It's probably just something to be looking at, having the really quality wingers, um, as long as we can retain Falau at fullback. I think that's probably the only area in the backs, um, apart from maybe a backup to, to Bernard Foley. I think the wingers are the only concern. And in terms of that aggressor, if you look at the back rowers, we've we've gone through a few back rowers. You know, Will Miller, we we weren't aware of at the start of the season, and then he became a one of our, you know, most mobile, busy busy forwards in a household name. That's right, and he, and deservingly, obviously. But you know, what about your aggressor in Jack Dempsey? He's been injured all season, and he's yeah. a big body that's pretty we, aggressive. We missed him. We, we did miss did, him. I think we missed him. That 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 skill set is something that we really could have used when we were a bit uncertain who we wanted at six or who was going to be the muscle in the back row. Michael Wells stepped up. Um, Will Miller stepped up. Hooper was always stepping up when he's there and Hannigan played admirably at six. But you throw someone like Jack Dempsey in and is that the missing piece that lets everyone play in their normal position and you get the right balance? I think balance. it does. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a big difference. That throws probably Jed back to number. This is not no discount on Michael Wells's performances, but I think that could throw Ned Hannigan into the second row Dempsey into six, and then you got Miller and Jed in the back row. But even Hannigan in a... the second row is a compromise. Yeah, is that not is yeah. that not depowering your scrum by putting a smaller bloke into second row, which we didn't like? And we I, don't like know. And we I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Jed's future might be as a lock man. Like to be honest, like the way he's a he actually turns out to be quite a mobile running lock, and he played really well the last couple of games out of that sort of central channel. I don't mind it. It's it's yeah. down to him, man. He'll he'll be turning around and saying in the off season. All right, that was. I still see him. Sure I still see him as a number eight that could possibly play for the Wallabies, in that you know wider role. Someone like Higginbotham that still can do the the dirty stuff, the tough stuff, but also carry the ball wide. He's a massive guy and he's really really quick. So I think that actually. I th- he's listed as a lock on the Waratahs team page now. Jed Holloway. Yeah, no, look, he plays lock for Southern Districts and he has for quite a while. Um, I think his preferred position is number eight or in the back row, but 
he can play obviously we've seen that he can play second row and he's he's got the skill set i'm not sure at international level level whether that's going to be um something that will be considered but definitely super rugby level i think like we saw dave dennis do as well um it's it's definitely something that could be persevered with not sure it will be but um yeah we'll have to see what the lock stocks look like next year because i don't think staniforth is up to it i don't Jeez, i'd love some better lock be stocks in the waratahs Lock stocks. Give, lock me, stocks. give me some lock stocks. And two smoking barrels. Two smoking dads. And then you got Will oh, Miller. I don't know if coming back. Oh. <laughs> I want Drew Mitchell back. I want him on the wing for the Waratahs. Uh, I just want him off uh, the did, commentary did panel. You, did you see him training with the Wallabies squad, though? Oh, he was dying. Yeah. Dying. Yeah. <laughs> he was cooked. He admitted that as well, though. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to pretend that he was killing it. He was, like, throwing up. He looks so much more comfortable when he's with the boys and and just ball in in hand, even in a suit. And then they sit him on the panel and ask him for a deep analysis. And poor guy just mumbles through it. You know what he's trying to say, but he struggles to get it out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, tell us more. And he's like, no, stop. Stop asking. Really? Really? That's (laughs) all I have. Anyway. So so Waratahs, like for the season, uh, they, they... who who which of us had it had it had them as our best team? I think Toby might have been the only one because Archie was tipping yeah, hard on Rebels it. and I was saying Brumbies were going to be at the top as usual and I was completely wrong. That was a yeah, dumpster. Fly. I said the Waratahs were top of the conference. They did. Yeah. Um, I think they probably overperformed based on how the season went down. Um, but it's just I think it's mostly the Ford Pack. We've got a star-studded backline. The Ford pack is probably where we had those question marks, and that's probably why we think they overachieved a little bit. I think they probably they probably only got as far as they did through pulling themselves out of the fire a couple of times at really critical times. Like you know, obviously in the in the quarterfinal, they managed to pull back against the Highlanders and, and get another week. But there are probably a couple of games during the season where they were only in it through some amazing miracle effort at some point in the game or just like a period where they were they overperformed. So, I don't know, for me, I, I think they probably were a little bit fortunate to get as far as they did. Obviously, that the players have to achieve that, so no no taking that away from them. But on expectation, um, I don't know, with, with the injuries they had and the amount of rotation through the forwards, they probably, they probably did... The forwards probably outperformed slightly. I think the backs probably underperformed. So maybe on balance, maybe on balance, it's a it's only a par season. Even though they got, you know, they took they took a home semi and took it sorry a home final to the semi. So that's sort of at well, the right level. You look at you look at what could have been. <clears throat> you look at what could have been for this team, and you think about some of the games that got away. You think about look the Brumbies game just before the end of just before the playoffs. You look at the Blues at Brookvale earlier this year. You look Crusaders. at the Crusaders. We're up 28-0. Yeah. Even the Chiefs game a couple of weeks after that, um, they were looking very strong like they could take it. One more of those tips more in their favour and they get a win. And suddenly last weekend's game was in Sydney. And you think that if they were playing in Sydney the weekend and they played how they did, they probably would have had that little bit more gas, a little bit more support. And they probably would have been able to get over the line here. So... It's just it's just a, another twenty minutes of football that they they didn't quite use in the regular season has cost them in the semi finals, I reckon. 
Yeah, exactly. They need to play 80 minutes. That's yeah. They need to find a way to perform wow, like they do. Yeah, it's nothing new. So mm. I guess that that's a little bit disappointing. But we've we've you know there's a couple of players who've come out of the come out of the sort of bench and and the squad who's impressed us this year. So they've they've uncovered a couple of extra players, which is good depth, and we just want everyone fit next year, ready to go. Uh, so I'll give them a seven and a half out of ten. And I think there are a lot of good things to come out of this season. You know, one of the greatest comebacks against the Highlanders last week. If they hadn't done that, I think we'd be talking a little bit differently. But, you know, to lose in the fashion they did in Joburg, we're not that surprised. And I think, look, there are positive signs going into next year. I think there just needs to be some some quite astute, like, recruitment going on um, at Waratahs HQ and, and to make sure they, they fill a couple of the gaps they have in their roster because we are losing some key guys and we need to be mindful of that. Um so who's moving on? It's um Tank Kelly's you've got is probably the biggest one. Tank Kelly's the... moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Kellaway's going to Northampton. Kellaway's going to Northampton. Yep. Paddy Ryan has been let go, I think. He's not signed anywhere else at the moment. And then you've got um Simone, Ray Simone, who I probably would see playing in France or something. Not sure where he's going. But that's probably four guys that are, you know, going to be noticeably missed. But having said that, I think there are some good young guys coming through in those positions. Um, I think winger, though, is, is something we need to kind of get a couple more guys in there. I'd actually be a little bit worried about someone like Jake Gordon leaving if we don't give him more playing time. Oh, death. Like, I think that would be probably the What biggest... do you do? I don't know. You go... The Genny has talked about is leaving Will the Genny Rebels. Elite. Yeah, you go to the you go yeah, to the Rebels exactly. if you can get a starting job there. Uh, play with does Genny go back to Queensland? Does mm. Gordon go to to Melbourne? Powell's going to be locked in in Canberra at least for one year or two, probably. Yeah, it's, it's whether it's whether the Waratahs go okay. He's Fips the future of your team. I think he is, but but I think. I think we're probably not going to go away from Phipps at this stage because of his combination with Foley, his friendship with Foley, standing around the club. He's still effectively club, club captain. Um, but he is 29, and Jake Gordon's a lot younger. He's probably 24, 25. Mm. Um, so we're going to get a, a lot more time out of Jake Gordon. So it's whether, you know, that would be an interesting decision as well. If his contract ends, it might be after next year. Yeah, when the contract's in. Sticks for next year. Um, I'm not too sure. I think Jake and Fipsy, I think they're probably both locked in for next year at the time. Um, but it's probably a bit of a gamble after that as to, to know who's going to be sticking around. Um, it's nice to have that depth, obviously. Like, selfishly, it's great to have a guy there. There's, there's an injury or, or just form. You, you can switch in a, you know, a pretty competitive uh, it'll be down to the guys, and if they if one or both contracts end at the end of next season, that'll be getting pretty interesting. And you you kind of I don't know like my my preference yeah, would well, be keep, keep Jake Gordon obviously, but if you know, if Jake Gordon's not getting, if he's not getting paid to the standard that he should be with his talent, I think you'll see him move on. I think if he was getting selected for the Wallabies, even though he's backing up Phipps or they're sharing time, I I think he would stick around, um, but. He just he's at a time where he's starting to really emerge as a great player with mm. these limited opportunities. It'll so stunt his growth. 
There's going to be a lot of teams. There's going to be a lot of teams in Europe calling calling him up and being like, yeah. "We like the look of you. We want to pay you this much." And it'll probably be a lot more than the Waratahs can offer. So either the Wallabies will keep him around based on that incentive, or they say, "Oh, look, we're going to go with Phipps next year, but after that, it's your kind of team." You just don't know what conversations they're having. Yeah. Yeah. This is where you look at the the New Zealand sort of structure and you realise how good it is because they do just tell people they're moving teams and they get the best people in the starting jobs in one of their five teams and they just yeah. spread it out and they go, no, you're going and playing here because that's what's best for New Zealand rugby because that's the yeah, way it's a great model. Sort of develop the best. Yeah. Well, speaking of the... Um, end of sort of Super Rugby, we now have to start looking at the Wallabies and Rugby Championship sort of times and Bledisloe Cup. And we've seen some of the sort of wider Wallaby squad start to getting some training time. And we've actually seen something happening at the end of this week that we've not had um, at least for several years in Australia in a bit of a trial internal match. It's a game that often we used to see the all Blacks do is in terms of a, the North versus South Island or Apostles versus Probables sort of All Blacks game. And they've actually put together a bit of an Australian Super 15 uh, to verse the Wallaby squad, which are obviously still down the Waratahs at this time, um, with those boys obviously just joining camp again. But if you haven't seen the, the lineup, it's posted up on our Instagram at Running Rugby uh, Podcast, but it's a bit of an interesting look to it. Um, who are some names, boys, that you're picking out of this lineup? I'm pretty happy to see someone like uh, Angus Cottrell getting a run, and, and Richard Hardwick. And this back row looks exciting. I don't know much about Pat Sear, but from what you boys are telling me, he's uh, worth keeping an eye on. So it's good that those guys are getting recognised because I don't know Cottrell and Hardwick, hard workers. They do they do actually do quite a good job for the. Rebels, I just feel like they're so, so far down the pecking order for the Wallabies that an opportunity like this is a really good opportunity. They get to show their wares, and and I, I doubt it'll it'll um, give them a whole a whole run into the squad uh, for the for the rugby championship. But I, I like seeing those guys get rewarded because for them, for someone like Cottrell to end his season with the Rebels and and just sort of goes into nothing, like the guy played really hard, really well all season. It's it's good that there's so it's almost a little reward for those guys, something else to look forward to. And, and hopefully if they keep going, something to motivate guys right through the end of the season, fringe players. Probably from my perspective, I, you know, I'm keen to see Tom English step up. He's captain, captaining this team. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential. And now that the number 13 position is a little bit more open in the Wallabies, I'm not sure he's probably – he might be in the top three um, or four guys that could fill that position so you you got to wonder whether checker is actually thinking okay maybe you could come into the squad um apart from that i think blake enever and matt phillip are two guys on the fringe of second row selection and they both played there for the wallabies before um so i think at the moment they're probably just outside those those four main guys or four or five main guys that check is looking at but you can see he's he's still got them in his mind and he knows that you know, a couple injuries, and, and these are probably the two guys that can come into the squad. But, yeah, I think from my perspective, there's there's some good, exciting talent there. It's just whether they can gel together and, and kind of put up a, a good competitive game for, for the Wallabies as they hit out for the All Blacks. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, 
Um, Leo sort of alluded to Pat CEO, who's Scotty CEO's younger brother, um, young number eight, or um, has played lock as well, but has been playing over in uh, France for a, a couple of years now and has come back and thought to be a reasonably good prospect, a strong, uh, hard ball running sort of player. So keen to sort of see him. Also interesting to see James Slipper back back playing some rugby after. Um, he's sort of extended sort of layoff with suspension after the sort of illicit substances. Yeah, yeah I so think it's it, two months. Yeah, yeah a couple of months. months. Yeah. It's good. I think, look, it probably sends a message from Michael Checker to Brad Thorne saying, look, I know you've set the standard, the Reds, but don't completely disregard James Slipper. I think there is a message there. Um, this is a guy that's played 80 or 90 tests or something for the for the Wallabies. Um, he's a really quality loose head prop. I know he's towards the, the latter half of his, of his career, but if he can get himself back into form, I think he's still an asset that Australian rugby needs to be mindful to hold on to. Yeah, especially with the World Cup, you never know what's going to happen with injuries and things moving forward. Other than those guys, though, there's some young talent sort of coming through. Filippo Dalgunu gets a start on the wing and also Samisi Tupu. Um, the under-20 sort of prospect that had a couple of stints with the Rebels this year gets a start at fullback. So that'll be interesting to see. That's down at Leichhardt Oval on Friday um, evening at 6.45 kickoff. Um, I'm going to make it down there and have a look at these guys, have a bit of run and see. We haven't actually seen what the Wallabies um, team they're going to put out is going to look like, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and it's guys, it's free entry to that. So that's a pretty good incentive to get down there and, and watch some good football um, you get to see all the big names playing, or most of them at least. Probably, I think, I'm not sure how many Waratahs will be in that Wallabies team. Um, but, you know, it's it's a pretty good hit out, I think, for the Wallabies leading into, you know, two or three weeks' time. You just got to hope that there aren't any significant injuries to come out of a game like this. Um, obviously, it'd be pretty tragic if we lost someone that was quite key to the Wallabies going to the Bledisloe. But I think... It's it's a much better option than having them sit around for mm. you know these guys have been off Super Rugby for a little while while to sit, have them sitting around without proper match fitness for a month or so it's it's not ideal so it's a good way of combating that. Yeah, I think it's it's good to see that the possibles versus probables setup that the All Blacks used to run was always you know just another feature, another opportunity to showcase all their talent. Uh, so really really good that this is. Now happening and, and it's being streamed as well. If you if you can't get down to the ground, live streamed on rugby.com.au. And if anything, it's probably similar to what we had last year with the Barbarians, except this is a lot better timed. So you're going to see a lot of those young guys. You know, you got Duncan Payer again there at number twelve. Um, you know, hopefully they throw the ball around. They've been told to play like the All Blacks, so you're probably going to see some exciting rugby. Yeah, definitely. So that's, that's Friday afternoon and then obviously the Super Rugby Grand Final on Saturday afternoon out of um, Christchurch and that'll be 5.30. So boys, I know we've, t- we've deconstructed these teams sort of to death. We, we know exactly what we're probably going to get out of this game. Some final thoughts, some final words. What do you think is going to be the outcome of this? I mean, from what the bookies are saying, it sounds like heavily, heavily favourited for the Crusaders. So... My my tip is going to be the Crusaders. Um, I've got them out, sort of probably just beyond a couple of tries margin, and I, I think that to me is, is a very, very, very likely outcome. But the way the Lions get back into this is 
Um, again, when they played at their peak in the last few weeks, they've been um, aggressive in the pick and go, hunting around the fringes of the of the ruck, and and always uh, making sure they make the most out of their set piece. So they they do still have a very strong set piece, and they can make some inroads in in you know mauling off lineouts and and a strong scrum, albeit against a pretty much an all black scrum. Uh, all those things have to go right for the Lions, and they have to feel comfortable after traveling and, and being away from home. So big ask, but uh, there, there is a path. I think the Crusaders will still do it reasonably comfortably, though. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no weak point for them really to target the Crusaders. Look, you talk about their forwards, they need to shut down this All Blacks sort of tight five. Um, I was sort of more thinking as well, they need to shut down the Crusaders out wide because that's always the point where we've seen the Lions be a little bit... a um, little bit sort of loose and not quite being tight enough in defence and letting in the points, which is what we saw with the Waratahs early on in last week. And I'm not sure that the likes of some of the outside backs for the Lions, we've seen Kutsi sort of disappear in recent weeks, um, depending on who they start, whether it's Deanti and Combrink or Skosan gets in there. I'm not confident with people like Tamani Valu running through them. George Bridge, who's just been an absolute mastermind this year. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to stop that, but they really need to make sure they shut down those guys as well. Yeah, and I think the only way Archie can stop that is to shut down Crotty and Goodhue in the midfield, and I can't see Vosta and Mapu doing that. I really can't. I think that the Crusaders, like we talked about, the Waratahs kind of targeting the lines out wide. I think the Crusaders will have their measure right across the back line. It probably starts with Bryn Hall and Richie Moanga really having that quick ball. Um, I think the Crusaders forwards allow that consistently. Um, they've got such a strong ruck in attack and defense. Um, their forwards just work in harmony at all times. So I think the backs are going to cut through the, the Lions in, from my perspective, and I think that's where the game will be won. And something I forgot to mention, like Moanga is playing so well at the moment. The Lions do have quite a quite a fast rush up defence, and and that will have to be really well structured, really cohesive to to make sure they don't create opportunities for the Crusaders when they do that. But I think that pressure on Moanga and the and the sort of the wraparound closing up um, defence in in through the centres, they can they can keep the ball from getting wide, but they've got to be very careful because Crusaders see that sort of uh, rush up defence and just think, okay, where's my opportunities now? Can I chip in behind? They're smart. So you can't commit overcommit in one facet and leave yourself exposed somewhere else because they will find that weakness. Mm. Agreed. And I look in terms of margins, the bookies initially had this at giving the Lions a twenty-point head start. Um, I'm, I reckon the Crusaders will probably win it by about fifteen. But at the moment, the Lions are. If you want to, if you want to go for a bit of a dark horse, put your money on the Lions to win at about nine to one. Um, that's you know the the widest or the the biggest outsider in terms of an an underdog I can remember in in recent memory in a Super Rugby final like it just doesn't seem to happen like that and the Lions aren't a bad team it just shows how confident I guess the bookies are in the Crusaders um, they're willing to put odds like that out there for the Lions I sort of had seen whether the thinking the Lions might be able to take a take a Super Rugby Championship this year, but I don't think they've got the title in them, uh, especially with this sort of travel. We saw what it 
can do to teams. And like you said, there's no home team in this finals that has lost so far, and I can't see this week being any different. I think the Crusaders will have this one, have it by um, probably more than 15. I, I reckon the 20 points is probably not too far off the margin. I think just in summary, I think, you know, it's it's been a, a bit of a bounce-back year for Super Rugby. I think overall it's been an exciting season, a pretty competitive competition overall. You know, I think we're going to have the same format leading into next year and then it's probably going to be changed again for the 2020 season after the World Cup. Um, so at the moment, the conference system is controversial, um, but it does allow each country or each kind of conference, countries within those conferences to actually have a team there, which I think is is useful in terms of keeping people switched on to Super Rugby. Um, it, you probably will see them going back to more of a round-robin one-conference situation um, after 2019. But at the moment, I think, you know, despite some of the crowds dropping in, you know, a lot of controversy around, um, you know, rugby competing with other sports in general. I I do think rugby's in pretty good stead here in the Southern Hemisphere. And, um, yeah, let's hope that we get a pretty competitive rugby championship um, and it's not just one-sided to the All Blacks as we've kind of been getting used to over these last few years. Yeah, and we want we want some nice consistent refereeing as well. I think they've they've gotten closer to the fair balance in terms of uh, cards and penalties as the season's gone on. We've still had the odd moment that surprised us, um, and a little bit of interjection from the TMO. But if we if we can just see that settle in, and and um, they the guys like Gardner, like uh, Glenn Jackson, Jaka Piper, like those guys are, are running pretty pretty clean, smooth, flowing games now. So. Hope we get that in the final from from Angus Gardner, and I hope we see it in the rest of the rugby championship too. Yeah, big congrats to Gardner. It's been a long time since an Australian ref has ref the Super Rugby final, um, so it'll be very nice to see him under helm and sort of put a bit of the spotlight, get a bit of an Australian presence in the Super Rugby final. Even if we've, we've got, got someone to there. cheer for, exactly <laughs> cheer for the ref for the first time ever, probably. In I just want a good game. Career. Um, but no, dig up to him. Um, <laughs> if that's everything that everyone's got, I guess we'll, we'll leave it there for this week. We'll obviously be back and have a chat about the finals. And look, then we've got to move on. A brand new competition, Rugby Championship coming on. Bledisloe, all teams back to square one uh, and with everything for play to play for. But we'll, we'll get into that next week. Um, as always, guys, get onto the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Running Rugby Podcast. And also on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Um, get your friends onto us, listen to us on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. Subscribe, guys, leave us a review. Get down and watch the game on Friday, the Australian 15. Uh, if you like that, if you're close, otherwise stream it on, uh, on rugby.com.au. Um, but other than that, guys, have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. Keep on running. Run.